Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Plant family, I want to thank you for joining us as we dive into scripture today. And I just want to give a shout out to Pastor Mitch, who has had a lot of fun with this online campus. Uh, he had a real fun thing going on over the last couple weeks of really trying to get people to engage with the plant church. And he really asked areas of the country and even the world to, to get their friends and neighbors involved with, with our social media presence. And, and there are places that are just kind of like going up to, to different numbers where they're just kind of gaining traction. And I have to give a shout out to Hawaii. Hawaii you are killing it. It is so fun to watch how many people that are so far from us connecting with our plant family. And I also want to give a shout out to every other place. Everyone's doing great. It's just a, it's a great way for us to be spiritually united when we are actually not only socially distant, but we are distant from one another because of where we live, where we're from. So I want to give Pastor Mitch a shout out. Um, this past weekend was Super Bowl Sunday. And we know that Tom Brady won again. Yes, he's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. But really what after the Super Bowl represents, it's a wrap-up, an ending of the football season, whether it be the NFL or whether it be college football. Now, truth be told, if you know me, I love college football so much more than the NFL. And for me, my favorite team is Alabama Roll Tide. And what I love about college football, I just personally feel it's a pure form of the sports. And when you go to a college football game, there is always this beginning entrance of the college football team, the home team, that really sets the stage for how the rest of the game is going to be played for that home team. You see, when that home team is, is in the tunnel waiting to be called out, the opposing team is, is already on the field. And all of a sudden, the anthem song of that team plays. Now, whether it be Notre Dame or West Point, they've created their own anthem. But there are a lot of schools that have songs like Jump Around. Remember that famous 1990s rap song? You have Seven Nation Army or even Enter the Sandman. And, and once the music begins to play, the stadium begins to roar. Stadium begins to bounce, and there's electricity in the air. And that team, that home team, has that fight song. They actually call it a fight song that they come out to as a way to say, We are declaring victory over the opposing team. You see, I believe there's a real truth with music. I believe that that music in our life plays a vital role. And when you look at music in view, in view of college football, that music, that song, that fight song is a song that motivates performance. Once that first note hits, every single player on the home team is say, I am going to play to the best of my ability and I'm going to leave everything on the field. I believe there's a biblical truth. Not that it's like college football, but very much different. Yes, for the college football player, music motivates. But there's a biblical truth that music, true worship, positions a follower of Christ in that place that allows that worship 
to be a war cry of victory. You see, when we worship, we allow God to be victor in no matter what circumstance we are in. And what I want to talk about today is the importance of worship and how we as a church need to rethink how we worship and why we worship. Over the past 40 days, we have been praying and fasting as a church. And right before we go into Lent, I believe that this Sunday, wrapping up the past 40 days, I believe that we need to look at worship in a new light and rethink why we worship and how we worship. Because I believe that in this year, the year 2021, God wants to do something new. And not only do something new, he wants to teach us something new. So would you pray with me before we go into the passage? Jesus, I ask you for wisdom as I preach this message. God, you know everything that's been going on in the past year. You know everything that's been going on this past week. You know all the conflicts that are going on around us. You know all the circumstances that are happening. I ask you that after these 40 days of praying and fasting, that this message, this single message, would give us a trajectory for this coming year. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage we are going to be looking at today comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 24. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1 through 24. Let's read it together. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hezazan Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Let's just stop here at the first two verses. This is our introduction. I want to introduce you to Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. You see, what had happened was the, the people of God's territory got split into two different areas. You had Israel and Judah, two different kings, two different territories. And King Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. He became king at the age of 35, and he reigned for 25 years. Now, when you go back in the Old Testament, you read of a lot of kings that did things their own ways. They sinned. They did not sit under the authority of God. But King Jehoshaphat was unique. Every single thing he did came under the authority of God. He sat in submission to God, and God always honored King Jehoshaphat in every single thing he had done. It's very interesting when you read about King Jehoshaphat reign. There, there's, there's one enemy that was always against the people of God, and that was the Philistines until King Jehoshaphat came into power. When King Jehoshaphat came in power and the Philistines had seen the blessing of God in a very unique way, they respected him and, and stayed away from him. But King Jehoshaphat also did something very unique. He, he had leadership vision. He wanted everybody to know God as he had known God. He wanted everybody to have direction from God as he had had direction from God. He wanted to establish a people that for generations to come would follow God as he had followed God. So he, he started a traveling seminary. He had 16 teachers 
who welcomed anyone who wanted to learn a Torah, the word of God, they had permission to do so. And so this traveling seminary, this traveling Bible school, just traveled throughout Judah, inviting everybody to know God, just as King Jehoshaphat had already known him. But now a conflict has arised. And it's very interesting because there are rules of war. The Geneva Convention, there are rules to war in our time, in our culture right now. And back then, there were also rules of war. But what had happened was, every time the people of Judah went to war, they won, no matter which army it was. And so the people around them, their enemies around them said, it's time to take out the people of Judah. And so they broke the rules of war, and they came together to come against the people of Judah. And so right now, there is a real fear of the opposition, because this was not going to be a fair fight. Now, let's bring this into perspective. How true this is for all of us, that there are times that when we go through life and we go through conflict, that it seems like, okay, this is a fair, this is a fair conflict, and it's one of those times that we say, hey, in that conflict, I feel like I have the ability to trust God's leading. But then there are other seasons where it just seems like we are getting hit from every single side. Maybe that people are, are ganging up on us or, or too many hot buttons are being really hit in our soul. And we come to a place and we really start asking the question, does God really have our back? And that was King Jehoshaphat's situation. God has always given him victory one army versus another. God has always given Jehoshaphat victory no matter what conflict had happened. But now Jehoshaphat was entering into a conflict in which he's never seen before. And as I say that, I, I really hope right now as you are home that you're thinking, yeah, like that makes sense. I've given God my best. I've given God my yes. I've given God my all in, in different conflicts and he's always proven himself. But there's times that it really seemed like, have I been abandoned? Am I going to lose this one? Well, let's look at the passage. Let's go to verse 3. King Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the, the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of all the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. He said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now, 
See what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. And so there's a protocol in Jehoshaphat's leadership when it comes to conflict. Let me say that again. There is a protocol for Jehoshaphat in his leadership when it comes to conflict. And his protocol is simply this, pray, pray. And his protocol was not that he would pray alone, but he would pray together with the people of Judah. And when there was real conflict, it was even more than this. It wasn't just to pray, but it was to pray and fast. And you see that in verse three, that King Jehoshaphat gathers everybody together. And he says, I want you to pray and fast. This is a biblical truth. We see this with Moses. We see this with Nehemiah. We see this with Daniel. We see this with Esther's uncle Mordecai, that whenever there was a conflict that they were unable to handle, something that seemed so overwhelming that, that could they even trust God's goodness, they sought the Lord in prayer and fasting. You know, as a denomination, this is what we say. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. So let me ask you that over the past year, has prayer been your primary work in the midst of the conflict that we have been living in globally? Let me ask you even a deeper question. Over these last 40 days, did you take time to pray and fast knowing that when, it, when really the rubber meets the road and, and times get really tough and, and you really come to that brinking point in life that, that you're not only praying, but you're seeking the Lord in prayer and fasting because that's the protocol we see in Scripture in the midst of conflict. Plant family, for all of you who had prayed and fasted during these 40 days, I believe God's going to bless you. For all those who did not pray and fast, I believe God is using this passage right now to really encourage you to say, you're taking this week and you're going to begin to learn to pray and fasting. But here's my bigger question, plant family. What is your protocol in the midst of conflict? What is your protocol as an individual? What's your protocol as a, as a, as a family? What's your protocol as being part of this church? What is your protocol in the midst of conflict? And I, and I love what King Jehoshaphat does. He gathers the people and he reminds them of God's promises. He's grateful. He, he's showing gratitude, remembering where all of his blessings had come from. They had come from God. And he was reminding the people as he was praying to God. And he was also reminding God, hey, remember God. You gave us this land that you gave to Abraham. Hey, remember, God, that you promised us that in every war we will have victory and we will never be defeated. Hey, God, remember you promised us and you've always fulfilled it that in the midst of conflict, we will not lose. 
as long as we come under your authority. And so King Jehoshaphat, he reminds the people, he reminds himself, and he reminds God that God, when we sit under your authority, you never leave us, you never forsake us, and you never abandon us. The king's protocol in conflict was to pray and to fast because that is what the king always did because he saw the people of God before him do the very same thing. Let's pick up verse 13. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. This is a big picture. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord, they brought their wives and their children, their family, their friends. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benani, son of Jeel, son of Madaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. I love when I look at this section of this passage, because what God does is he gives victory in a word, in one word. As all the people are gathered, as all these, these men brought their wives and their children and their neighbors and their friends and their family, all of a sudden as they gathered, the spirit of the Lord fell on one individual, a prophet, a prophetic voice, and he spoke out to God's future plans for them. I think one of the saddest things that we see in, in today's Christianity, in, in modernity, in what's going on in, in the world around us, in, in, in the, this postmodern world, is that we have lost the power of the supernatural presence of God. We say we see it in the Old Testament and we say it in the New Testament, but we don't believe it for today. I can't tell you how many times God has used a prophetic voice in my life, in my wife's life, in my children's life, even in the life of the plant, how one prophetic voice changed the direction of where God was calling us to go. And I see this right here in scripture again, this, this divine moment, this Kairos moment, one prophetic voice gave the motivation and the confidence for the people to go into battle like a battle they've never gone into before and believing that the victory was already won. Plant family, I challenge you today that when you read scripture and you see healings and you see deliverances and you see the prophetic, I challenge you, 
I beg you to believe it for you. I beg you to believe it for our church because if God had said it, it means he's going to do it again. We do not close the doors of scripture. We open the words of scripture, allowing the rhema of the spirit to speak to the reality of what he wants to do today. And I believe, just like in, in King Jehoshaphat's days, that there are moments, kairos moments, defining moments, where one prophetic voice changes the trajectory for where a person, a group of persons, a church, a nation, or e even the, where the world needs to turn. Victory given in a word. Verse 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness to Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in, in the Lord, your God, and you will be able to stand Watch this. This is what King Jehoshaphat says. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. And here was the game plan. People of God, line up. Get into your battle orders. Get into the war cry. Archers, soldiers, chariots, everybody line up. But we're going to do something a little different today. Everyone's lined up in what, how we normally go to battle, but we're going to make one change. The choir of God. The worship team, go to the very front. You are our front line of defense. And, and it's interesting because we literally see patterns in scripture. This is what David did at, at the ark. He put the singers out with the ark. This is what Solomon did at the temple. And, and so for, for King Jehoshaphat, he took the choir of God, the choir that David had established, and he put them at the front, even in front of the weapons. And he said, our first line of artillery is songs of worship. We are going to march to worship. We are going to declare worship as we lead into battle, as we go into battle. And so as they prepared, they all lined up, and then they started going to the, to, to the battlefield. And as they, were, as they were singing, as they were celebrating, as they were declaring that the Lord's faithfulness endures forever, all of a sudden when they showed up, they realized the battle was already won. Because the moment they lined up and the moment they started worshiping God, God did something supernatural. He took these three armies and he turned them against one another. Something had happened. 
Something supernatural happened in the atmosphere and everything shifted. And all of a sudden, these three armies turned on one another and they killed one another. And so as King Jehoshaphat and, and the army got there to the lookout and they were singing and getting ready to go and, and they were ready to run out of the tunnel, just like a college football team, and they looked over the cliff, they were like, oh, they're all dead. It's finished. It's over. God was victor. God was victorious. Worship was their warfare. Let me say that again. For the people of God, worship was their warfare. And again, a biblical truth. We see this all throughout Scripture. When there is conflict that seems too big for the people of God to handle, they always go to worship. In the Old Testament, we see it at the Battle of Jericho, right? They went around and around and they just sang and they sang and they, they blew their horns. We see this with Paul and Silas when they were in prison. They were stuck in prison waiting to be executed and they started worshiping and all of a sudden the gates opened up. The prison doors opened up and they left. There is a true biblical theme that worship is an artillery of warfare. Ephesians 6 verse 12, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. People of God, there's a spiritual war going on right now that if we do not recognize that it is a spiritual battle going on, we will never learn how to be victorious. And you will continue to be in places of conflict the rest of your life. You see, worship is a weapon of spiritual warfare. What is spiritual warfare? Let me read my definition of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is when the people of God engage with him through the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer the works of the devil. Spiritual warfare is when you engage with the living God to destroy the works of the devil. And the truth is, is that oftentimes we don't look at the conflicts in our life. We don't look at the conflicts that are going on in our world right now as, as a form of spiritual warfare when actually there is a war going on in the unseen world that we have no idea oftentimes what to do. I believe that whenever any conflict arises that wants to defame character, cause isolation, hurt an individual, or wants to defame Christ, it is spiritual warfare. And right now, some of you have been in deep conflicts whether it be to defame your character, whether it's been to put you in a place of isolation, whether it's to hurt others or really to defame the character of Christ in you, you've not looked at a spiritual warfare, but today I wanna to tell you if any of those things are going on in your life, you are in a battle that you need to learn how to win. Why this passage? So uh, to be very transparent, I knew I had to speak on worship this Sunday, meaning today. And in that, I really was praying about, okay, God, what passage? The Battle of Jericho. And then he brought me to King Jehoshaphat. 
I've actually preached this before several years ago, and, and what drew me back to this passage today is that when, when the people of God went to, went to Jericho, it was one army versus another army, kind of like that fair fight thing I was talking about before. But right now, we are not in a fair fight. We have all the things that are going on with COVID. We have all the things that are going on with our economy. We have all the issues socially that are happening around us. And then we have other globally things that are going on. I mean, do you know what they just said in the news? That now Ebola is back in the Congo. Now, why is that a big deal? Because last time I was there, it came to the U.S. Talk about fear. Not only COVID, all these other things. Ebola, all these other things are, are coming out. We are in a very unfair fight. And it's time for the church to learn to win. And as Christians, we've learned to fight fair fights, even times when they don't feel that unfair, but we have these different victories. But I believe as Christians, there are times that we literally be, become blurry to God's hand on our life. There are times that, that we get blurry to the possibilities that, that God will win this one. But just like King Jehoshaphat had prayed, God, you've already taken us this far. You're not going to leave us here stranded. You are going to continue to do what you had begun. He who began a good work in you will finish it until the day of completion in Christ Jesus. No matter how blurry this world is right now, I believe the heavens are crying out to the church, plural, the church globally, learn to fight. Learn to strap on the armor of God and learn that at times worship is the most important part of your artillery. So how do we leave this? How do we bring this to closure? I want to leave you with four quick points. First, as a church, my battle cry to you is to rethink worship. Rethink why you worship. Rethink how you worship. Do you worship just to kind of sing that, that hopefully God will show up? Or do you sing in such a way that, that you are in a place that you are praying through song to God, declaring his goodness even in times of difficulty? Worship has the power to be maybe the most impactful prayer you may pray in any given day. I know for me, worship is a huge part of who I am. Even on the way up here, there has been things going on throughout the week in my life and in the church's life that I just had to just worship Jesus. I had to declare on the way up here to West Milford that God, you have this all in your hand. Second, in conflict, Allow worship to be part of your artillery. The problem is this. When we get frustrated and we are in places of conflict, we oftentimes stop reading our Bible. We stop praying and we stop worshiping. I want to challenge you, plant family, no matter where you are at, the next time that you see conflict arise, I want you to turn on your favorite worship song. We even have a playlist for our church that you can, you can find it on, in Spotify, that you have the songs of the plant that you can sing with and declare that God is victor. Because when we go into a time of worship, what we do is we realign our allegiance to God. We come under the submission of God and allowing God to have authority over our life. 
Third, the enemy knows he's going to lose. The enemy knows he's going to lose. We look at this passage. This is such a fair passage. You see, every time King Jehoshaphat went one-on-one with another army, he always won. And the devil would always throw other armies at him and other armies. But, but King Jehoshaphat just kept winning and winning and winning because God was winning. So the enemy tried to blur King Jehoshaphat's vision. And what he had done is he said, okay, I'm going to get these three groups to turn against the people of God. But because of King Jehoshaphat's protocol, God spoke and King Jehoshaphat was obedient. You see, the enemy's going to throw people or multiple people at you to distract you. He's going to not only hit one hot button, but at times he's going to hit multiple hot buttons because he knows that you've been learning to lean on God. And he's going to do everything to distract you. People of God, no matter how many things the, the enemy throws at you, know this. When you posture yourself in a posture of worship, you allow God to be victor. And this is my last point. Worship releases God to be victor over every current conflict. Let me say that again. Worship releases God to be victor over every current conflict. What you need to practice is allowing yourself to worship all the way through conflict until the conflict comes to an end. You just don't begin it with worship and stay in worship and then all of a sudden give up on worship. No, you hold on to worship until the very end and you see God's hand of victory. That's what King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah had done. They went all the way to the cliff, to the battlefield. And when they arrived, they saw that the victory was completed. And that's when they stopped singing songs of praise. We worship giving God the ability to be victor, and we do it all the way until the battle has been won. We come together to worship God. We come together to know Christ and make him known. We come together that we may gather to scatter. And we come together in worship, declaring that Christ is our victor. Do not be afraid. But as we go into this song of worship, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to stand up, posture your feet, open heart, open hands. And during the song of worship, don't sing it like a song of hopefully of what could happen. Sing this song as a song of praise praising God for not only what he has done, but for what he's going to do. And I promise you, plant family, as God is my witness, when we align ourselves under the authority of God and allow worship to be our warfare, we give God the opportunity to always be victor in no matter what conflict we are in. Let's go to war right now allowing this song of worship to be our song of praise and the war cry of our hearts. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.